0: Hi, this is the see you next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening.
1: Hey y'all. We're back for another episode. Of see you next Tuesday. Jesse, I'm Amanda um yeah we're doing this thing we're in it
0: we're gonna (laughs) try
1: (laughs) how's everybody out there how are y'all doing i don't feel like we've asked that in a while um i can't imagine i mean
0: we don't want the truth we want you to (laughs) say okay great because i found when somebody asked me how are you doing they don't want me to tell them how I'm really doing. Yeah. Because then when I tell them, they just get that look on their face like, why did you just tell me all that?
1: Yeah, like, Jesus, what did I just do by asking you? But can we also get rid of that? Because I'm sorry. We're in like the pandemic phase of whatever the world is right now. And it's like, can we just cut out all the chit chat, small talk crap that we have to say to each other? And instead, when someone does ask us, like, how are you doing? and you say, I feel like shit, people are like appreciate your honesty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, why can't why can't we just appreciate the person as being open and honest and vulnerable with you instead of saying, Oh no, they should have said the, the answer they were supposed to say off of this set card of answers. Yes, so so, maybe not great. Like, come on.
0: I hate that. You know what I just say now? Because, you know, most people ask me
1: this at work and they know, they know. Yeah. It's not like you're not vocal about how you're feeling. They know. (laughs) So really, I
0: just go, you don't want me to answer that.
1: Yeah, that's smart. And they're like, okay.
0: And they're like, okay, cool. Bye. Yeah.
1: I feel like my level of Human interaction has gone with randos, not with like you or people I love. I mean, like, but people with like, like that, the whole like chit chat crap we have to do to function in society. I'm like, why are we doing this? Straight up. Why, why are we allowing this to continue? We can literally pretty much every system at this point is breaking down. We can rewrite the world how we want it to be. Why are we continuing to allow small talk to happen? (laughs) Like, what
0: the fuck? I just want to say, like, I will admit, though, I did have to call um, somebody in New Hampshire this week, and I got a hold of this lady, Cindy. Let me tell you about Cindy. Cindy was just as exhausted and as exasperated as I was. Oh, no. And I could feel it through the phone. Me and Cindy bonded over this. Good. And she's like... I'm so sorry, you're going to need this other department. She's like, we're extremely busy. I don't understand why. I go, Cindy, I don't understand why we're busy either. Yeah. And so we got started talking about this, and she perked up a little bit over our mutual... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um,
1: Trauma? Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. So then... Here's what's really funny. She said, I'm in Texas. I was calling New Hampshire. And she's like, that department's already gone for the day. I'm like, I go, Cindy, of course they are. Yeah, of course. This is the story of my life, Cindy. I am not mad at you. This is just how my life is. Yep. And she's like, girl, I know. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a message over to them. But if you want to call back tomorrow, you'll probably have a better shot than if you wait for them to call you back i'm like okay gotcha Fair. i go fair enough do they have a different number or do i just need to call the same number she goes unfortunately you gotta call the same number i know you're gonna have to wait on hold again i know you waited i am so sorry i'm like it's cool i ain't mad at you i ain't mad at you we cool we cool i call back the next day i shit you not cindy answered the phone no way i go girl this is Amanda. I talked to you yesterday. Are you the only one that works around there? She goes, "Yeah, I think I am."
1: Oh my god, you. Ah, uh, okay. Is this going to turn into like you just calling Cindy every once in a while and just be like, "Hey girl, what's up?" And Y'all just like shoot the shit. And talk I might. To you. I might. I think you should. Absolutely. I might. She's our she's our New Hampshire listener. Watch. She's like, yeah, you know me. I just listen to my True Crime podcast, and all of a sudden she's like, yeah, I listen to this one. Like, see you next Tuesday, and you're like, do you? You do.
0: You do. Huh. I'm yeah. gonna call back like in like four days and see if Cindy answers the phone. I think you should. And if Cindy doesn't answer the phone, I'm gonna go. I'm sorry, this isn't. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. I must have the wrong number. Sorry. Was, I'm gonna go. Oh my god! I sat on hold for 45 minutes,
1: and it's the wrong number. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I think the point you're getting at and the one that I'm getting at in the worst way possible is that human connection is what we need right now and real connections with each other. Not these like thing we've built as a society of connections. So call up Cindy once every couple of weeks. Why not? Why I mean, not? I mean, you were like, I
0: hate small talk, but I'm like, I bonded
1: with Cindy over small talk Wait. and a mutual actually wasn't. It was actual real conversation. You were both exasperated and shared that exasperation and went and had a real con- connection because you weren't fake and like everything's great. Like a robot. Good you job. Know what?
0: I did that with Tammy at another company <laughs> the week before.
1: Holla, Tammy. Where you at, Tammy? <laughs> Tammy is actually local. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. She, I mean, hey, maybe she is listening. You no. know, me and, Ta-
0: <laughs> you know what? me and Tammy, we were like, I was like, I actually talked to her multiple days in a row and she was, I was like, she goes, girl, did you drink yourself some tequila? And I said, girl, I sure did. How about you? She goes, no, I didn't.
1: Oh, she's all so sad. She's like, I wanted to, but pfft. here we are. Oh my yeah. God.
0: I love it. If I like you, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. It's when you're not nice to me that I turn into a fucking cunt. <laughs> Which I also did this week
1: via email. Did you uh, per my last email someone?
0: No, it was even worse than that.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah. Did you have the day you deserve someone? It was worse than that. Oh, shit. Do you want to say or no? So I even
0: had the GM of the company cc'd on this email because I was so sure I was right. I said, you're more than welcome to come look back here, but first maybe you should clean your own
1: house. Oh, damn. And then I was wrong. Oh, shit. Oh, no. (laughs) That's the worst. And then you're like, God dang it. Ah. So what did you do? Did you apologize and say, you're right, I was wrong? Fuck no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. not. That is the last thing you do to a man, Jess. Oh, that's right. Because they already think that they're right all the time anyway. Exactly so gotta right. So just take them down a few pegs. Yeah, naturally.
0: Okay, yeah, good job. Did I tell my GM I overstepped my bounds and I shouldn't have done that? Yes, I did. Good job. Did I explain that my reaction was to how this said person treated one of my girls? Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. It was not about what was going on, but how they verbally was treating one of my girls and I was mother henning and sticking up for her and that was the basis for my response? Yes, it was. Right. And did I feel bad about what I did? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did I overreact and overstep my bounds? Yes. And was I wrong? Yes. But am I going to apologize? No. (laughs) I said. Well, no. I told. I told the jail manager. I said. I said I feel bad. I should probably apologize. And he goes. I mean, he might appreciate it, but it's not necessary.
1: Oh. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. No apology coming. Then. I done said what I said, and I'm going to move on now. Goodbye. I said what I said. It's in writing, and we're moving on. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. um, few updates for you guys. Um, As you know, we have a, a Patreon. Feel free to check it out. If you like us enough to subscribe, that'd be awesome. Uh, we offer episodes one day early, so you get them on Mondays, and then you also get to see the video Hey. hey. of us doing this um and then another thing we're going to be at the true crime podcast festival in dallas texas august 26th through the 28th yep so check us out uh we'd love to have you there there's also going to be a lot of other podcasts there so you might see another podcast that you're like oh my gosh i'll to them too so we're all just in this together it's pretty cool we may have like things things we might have stuff might have exclusive stuff so
0: to 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 hand out and the
1: podcast special. exactly so might be worth showing up if you're able to if not no worries it's we cool. will you'll just miss out yeah on stuff and us <laughs> exactly i mean come on but um yeah so check it out also as you know we just love and appreciate all of y'all for listening we've had quite a few listeners from actually across the world who've started listening to us so thank you so much it means A lot that anyone will listen to this, let alone someone from anywhere else but here. So, thanks. Yeah, we've had a
0: lot of new listeners lately, so welcome everyone.
1: Yeah, welcome. We love you. We do love you. We love, and we call y'all our cunties, so y'all are little, our friends, so. Hey. Holla. (laughs) Well, right now in our series we're doing Kids That Kill Parents. Cuntlets. Yes, cuntlets as we were calling them. And I'm up today, so... What little cuntlet do you got for us now? I actually took on two cuntlets this time with Alex and Derek King and the murder of their father, Terry. So, and just real quick, you already heard at the beginning, but actually this one has a lot of sensitive subject matter in relation to pedophilia and sexual abuse. Heads up, if this is triggering... Totally understand if you're like, I'm going to skip to the end whenever Amanda decides to do the treasure child, so. Oh, and I got a good treasure child, so pop back in for her. Yep. So, Alex and Derek were born to Terry King and Janet French in 1989 and 1990 in Florida. Okay, so. Oh, Florida. (laughs) This is
0: going to be good. At
1: least it's not Texas at this time, right? I mean, at this point, we're one in the same state. I hate to say it, but we
0: are. you know what? We... Girl. We don't have as crazy of people as Florida.
1: No, it's just because I got that sunsh- sunshine law. So, like, the press can have it immediately versus ours that they get it after the fact.
0: Yeah, but we don't have people that throw gators through drive through windows. That's true. <laughs> that is very
1: true. So, this is... Okay, so when I was researching this, it's like I couldn't find exactly where in Florida they were born. It was, you know, so I was like, okay, Florida. Because Florida, they're Cause Florida. Con- they
0: have a hard time, like, spelling their own names, let alone
1: where they were born. (laughs) Yeah, we're going hard to Florida today. That's big talk as someone from Texas, girl. You know. Like, we're we're on the list of states that are loved right now. We're number 50. (laughs) One being the most loved. (laughs) So
0: so people love Florida more than us? Are you kidding? I probably at this point. I mean, you know, you got to love a state where people throw gators through drive through windows.
1: Yeah. At least, at least there's something fun going on there. They have Disney World. They do. What do we have? Greg. Ted. Ugh, yeah. I ignore Greg and Ted. I know.
0: <laughs> <So>. The G&T. <laughs> and I don't mean gin and tonic. Yeah, with a,
1: well, you can't ignore them with a and t if you want. It's yep. <laughs> a great way to do it. I ignore them with a and t <laughs> <laughs> So... Harry met Janet in 1985. He was working as an AC repairman and she was an exotic dancer. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that there for a sec. I'm just imagining so in my head, hair.
0: can I please yes. can I please tell you what I just pictured in my head? Please
1: do. <laughs> I know. I was like, my God, this is like the super couple. Of- so in my head, and first of all, dancers. You
0: do you, boo. I don't really give a shit. You, you make your money off those men.
1: Exactly. Get that paper, girl.
0: Do it. But in my head, Ted, you say Terry. Terry. He is this overweight gentleman with. He comes in with his in his work uniform, which is a button-down khaki ensemble. Hmm. And he's got the first buttons undone because he wants his chest hair out. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know why I am picturing the stage in as the shape of a heart.
1: Oh. I with, like
0: that. With lights. And it's lunch, it's the lunch shift. Ooh, lunch shift, B team.
1: Uh oh. hmm
0: Yeah, and her her ensemble does not match okay like she's got these horrible shoes that don't go with the rest and the the g-string doesn't match the tassels Mm -hmm. yeah and it just
1: made me giggle so here's a photo of terry king (laughs) yes the porn stash he is a very thin man actually um, but yeah, brown I can hair. S- but
0: yes, the chest, definitely he has chest he, hair. He
1: might've thought he was like the shit. You know what I mean? Like you said, like he's off work. He
0: definitely had the chest hair hanging out. Right. I he, definitely nailed that part. Yeah.
1: And what I picture of Janet, couldn't find a photo of her, but is the blonde permed hair, but like she pins it up to where it kind of looks like a, like a faux mullet down the middle with the two banana clips. You know what I'm talking about? No. Like on the sides kind of going whoop.
0: I, like I've seen one, one banana clip, but her hair is so fried.
1: <laughs> yes, so much hairspray in Yeah, you. mm-hmm. Oh, which, by the way, um, get ready to grab onto something. Hold onto something that you're going to be, make you feel safe. Gen Z just found out about taking hairspray on the roots and then blow-drying it to, like... No, they're not doing that. They are. They are doing, I know, I know, I know. We need a PSA. I thought they could hear it from you because you have more experience with this than I do. PSA. Don't. Don't do that. Do not do that. Oh, (laughs) it's a horrible look. I need to go get
0: yearbooks and show you how bad this is. But also,
1: you're frying your hair off, literally burning your hair at the root, which then you're gonna continually do to where it then becomes the entire strand of hair is burnt and fried. Do not do this. Do not do this. There's a reason why mousse exists. There's a reason why all these other products that have come to be exist for roots that you do not do this with hairspray, okay? <laughs> Just love I, I'm you guys. And am flashbacking.
0: I'm flashbacking. Are they wearing body suits and... Girl, girl. And vests and jeans tight rolled at the same time with their Converse
1: chucks? Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much everything from our childhoods is back in style, yes. Yeah. They've also found the 2000s version of that, I guess you can say, is where it's like a hair bedazzler where you, like, stick jewels in your hair. Oh, I saw a TikTok about that Dan? today. Exactly. I'm like, girl, half us millennials just walk to our closets and go, you mean this thing <laughs> that broke and burnt my hair? Great. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I
0: have a hair crimper from the 1980s in my bathroom downstairs I actually know it's in that closet right there can I crimp your hair no
1: yes you can'll <laughs> let you crimp I mean hair. it's
0: the original hair crimper Conair
1: hair crimper from the 1980s Is it metal yeah. it's is metal Oh wow the reason I said no at first is because I've never liked the look of crimped hair I've tried it and I was like what the fuck is this about like is it supposed to make your hair look like wavy? It just looks like your hair got exactly that, crimped on like a panini
0: press. Like, what the fuck? That's the point of crimped hair. You weren't around for the original go of the crimped hair. I wasn't. I have the original Conair hair crimper. You can buy it on our website for $2,000. Dude,
1: somebody's going to buy this thing. It's going to like short out and burn the whole house down. I'm not
0: going to lie. I actually used it on my daughter's hair because she was going to a 1980s... Something for something. I used it on her hair. I was terrified it was going to short out and set her hair on fire. Seriously. It didn't. Good. But I was scared. (laughs) You're like,
1: I am this close to being negligent right now. I don't know what's happening. Thank
0: God my parents are hoarders. You know what I keep my makeup in right now?
1: Is it a caboodle? An original caboodle from the 80s.
0: Because also... They never got rid of that
1: either. Those are coming back and I'm not mad at that at all. At all. Those things are handy. I don't know why we decided to go away from like the hard shelled like makeup case and go to like these soft bag crap. No.
0: No, ma'am. have an original one.
1: It is blue. Like a, um. Like a teal. hmm Like your, actually like your headphones with like a pink. Does it have like the teal and the pink? It's like the
0: color of my headphones. Yeah. So it's like marbly. And it still has nail polish on it from when I was a kid.
1: And you would like, oh, this looks pretty. And you like put it on the top of it just to see what it looked like. I think it's on the inside by the mirror. Okay, gotcha. Because I used to take nail polish and do that like on things like, oh, it's so pretty. You know, and I'm like, what? I think I just spilled actually. (laughs) It happens. We're kids, right?
0: Yes. I have an original (sighs) caboodle. I have an original hair crimper. And then when we were talking about this before. I invested in the Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head when they announced they were going to make him gender neutral. Yep. I'm holding on to those, but name your price on the original 1980s stuff. <laughs> Maybe we could make a deal if the price is oh right. Oh, my
1: God. Because remember, I want a hot tub. Po- yeah. Did our podcast just turn into, like, Facebook Marketplace? Like, what the <laughs> fuck, girl? <laughs> anyway, back to Terry and Janet. Oh, Terry oh. and Janet. 19, Terry, yes.
0: 1985,
1: so... He's fresh. He just got out of work. Right. He's he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna shower, I'm gonna go to the gentleman's club. Let's let's name it. Let's name it. Let's think about this. Ooh, treasure trail. What do you think about that? That's a good, that's a good name. We just trademarked that. <laughs> treasure trail gentleman's club. So, and then he goes, like you said, he's got the top buttons off for the first time because, you know, he's very buttoned up at work. He's very put together and he's like, I'm going to have some beers and I'm going to hang out and look some pretty ladies. He sees Janet. Gold chain. Gold chain, absolutely. He sees Janet. She's up there gyrating. The mood is right. The lights are at the perfect point where she looks phenomenal because, ooh, have you been in there with the lights up? Oh, no. <laughs> it's not a good idea. It's like going into like a haunted place with all the lights on. You're like, that's it, okay, well. And so she's jiving. All of a sudden, he's like, you know what? She's beautiful. I'm gonna take her home. Takes her home, and then they stayed together for eight years.
0: I mean, ladies that work in these clubs, you don't really go home with the men, do you? I,
1: I don't think they do. No, I, I don't. I, I think obviously if there's an attraction there, sure. But in this case, however it happened, they got together. Again, the details were kind of murky. Not much was out there about it, but they got together. You want to understand it's very much, I don't know, the industry's rough. It's hard. But I think it's up to the dancer to decide what they do or do not do. A, exotic dancers, let us know. Also, if that's the improper term, let me know. Um... I don't want to call you... sex like strippers just feels like... No, I don't want to call them strippers. I just call them dancers. Dancers, okay. She's a dancer. So anyway. Unfortunately, Janet had a drug addiction problem. Not sure which one, but she was in and out of the kids in Terry's lives all the time. They never got married. They were just like... Either... I don't know if they were common-law or if they're just, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. doesn't really matter. Marriage, as you know, is whatever. So... um They had Derek, like I said, in 1989, and then Alex in 1990. Janet got pregnant with another man's twins while still with Terry. And in 1993, she eventually left Terry and the boys and moved to Kentucky with her two new kids and then changed her name. So now Terry has to raise two boys by himself and try to work at the same time. So, question. Yeah. Did she
0: just randomly change her name or did she legally change her name legally
1: like it's what it from what it sounded like she was like I want to break from this life and start a whole new one completely that's like a big that's that's okay it's a big step and especially because she's taking her second set of kids and not bringing her boys her with her either yeah. i think that's interesting yeah so not sure about that but it doesn't sound like she was necessarily she wasn't very nurturing mother is what it sounds like it sounds like it was much more kind of what she wanted to do for her and not really thinking about the repercussions of that well yeah you know so she definitely was not a star mom yeah so Terry now had a new job as a printing press operator but he was still having a hard time trying to trying to raise a family and bring in enough money for them so he did what he thought was best at the time which has put his boys into a Christian children's home, and then from there they went into the system. So let's talk about this a little more. According to YouthLaw.org, as of 2003, close to the time that the boys were in foster care, 32.8% of children experienced some maltreatment in foster care, and of that 38 or 32.8, 10% suffer only physical neglect, 9% neglect and physical abuse, 5% physical abuse only, 4% are victims of sexual abuse and other maltreatment. And 3% of victims are victims of sexual abuse. Cannot imagine what those stats look like now. And when children are placed into the system, often caseworkers are overloaded and underpaid and can't or don't check in on the children's care often enough. According Yay. to a 2020 Ohio State University blog post, quote, typical caseloads vary from agency to agency and from state to state. However, the average caseload for child welfare workers is between 24 and 31 children, according to the National Association of Social Workers in 2004.
0: That's great. And we're about to have like
1: a whole bunch more babies enter the system. That's fantastic. We sure are. A 2005 study in Illinois found that caseworkers could have no more than 15 cases per month in order to complete all legal and policy requirements. High caseloads not only affect quality of work, but often also often lead to emotional exhaustion and job dissatisfaction. Well, yeah, especially if you originally intended to help people and then you're so overloaded, you're literally seeing kids be neglected and mistreated in front of your eyes and you can't do anything about exactly it.
0: Exactly right.
1: It's it's an unbelievably, horribly flawed system. I wanted to shed some light on it because this case, I think, I think this does play a part in what happens here. Not saying it, it should have happened, but there's a lot of like, context here as to what these boys are dealing with when it comes to you know being raised and these are formative years too so they would be like grade school yeah you know kids so there is a consistent revolving door of adults that these foster children see most of which don't stick around or provide a stable environment for them to grow up in And eventually the boys were returned to their dad's Terry's house. For instance, like Derek was consistently unruly at his foster's home. So they returned him to dad. And then Alex was still in state care. He wasn't even in someone's home. Well,
0: can you imagine growing up knowing that your dad
1: didn't want you and kept sending you to foster here? So that's not exactly the vibe I got here. It was he was he couldn't handle, he couldn't do it. He needed help. That's, that's what I got from this. Terry was like, I'm doing this as a, as a means for right now, not to put them in the system, but to like, okay, you take care of my kids. Let me see if I can scrounge up some more money so I can get them back. But do you think that they realized that's what it was? No. To them, it was like, my dad dad doesn't want me. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And that's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. It's, I don't know what happens, but I have a feeling that's why it happens. It, yeah. And, and the other thing is, is this, it, there's, no easy, there's no easy answers in this case at all. Terry thought he was doing the right thing. He thought, okay, this is the best thing I can do for my boys is have somebody who can provide for them provide for them. Not knowing these statistics, right? Who knows this? Who goes, hey, I'm going to put my kids in a worse situation than they are in right now. Well, I, I mean, ideally, nobody should think that. I figured everyone knows that foster care is not the place to put children. I don't know. I don't know, man. But so when uh, oh, and so Alex was still in state care, and eventually the state was like, "Well, Derek's already back at his dad's house. Why is Alex in state care? He needs to go back to his dad's house too." So they he did. So the boys mainly spent their childhood outside of their dad's home, and so once they got back into his home, they were preteens, and. From your last episode, they grew more unruly, and they wanted to hang out with their friends more, and they started acting out because they felt like they weren't cared about. First of all, their mom was in and out of their lives, so I'm sure that she wasn't necessarily the most nurturing or loving parent, and then their dad was at work all the time, and whenever he finally reached a point where he was like, I can't do both of these things at once, I'm putting you here, they're like, great, now our dad's abandoned us. So they're just looking for love and attention in any way they possibly can. And also being preteens, what do you want to do? You want to hang out with your parents? Nope. The fuck you do. Exactly. They I felt mean, like their dad was strict because he was the sole provider. And sometimes he had to even take them to work with him. And they didn't like it because they wanted to hang out with their friends. They're like, why do I have to go to work with you, dad? And he's like, well, because, you know, sorry, <laughs> you have to. I got to work to feed us. So sucks to suck. And yeah, I'm sure he was strict because, again, he's the sole parent. He's the only one. He's doing the best he can. Exactly. So with these two boys seeing such turmoil between their parents, with their dad, and inside the foster care system, and then with puberty hitting...
0: Oh, Uh, puberty in boys (sighs) is the worst, y'all. Is it? Is it worse than girls?
1: Because we we can rage quite a bit. Um, it's the
0: worst.
1: Okay. Gotcha. They... The boys felt that they needed a place of safety and security, and they found it in Ricky Chavez.
0: Chavez? Really? You just said Chavez? C-H-A-V-I-S. Chavez. Oh, I thought you, it was Chavez. No, and no. Were,
1: and I just said it weird. No, it's and Chavez. And you were saying it the white person <laughs> I thought it was Chavez. Chavez. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's why I was like you just said girl come on you live in texas you should know how to say this i'm like "Huh?" (laughs) oh my god that's i'm
0: like i am gonna shame you for this right here
1: (laughs) you should know how to pronounce that so ricky (laughs) chavis was a chavis not not chavez (laughs) by any means oh my god this poor guy is gonna have these messages like are you this guy? And he's like, what? No. What are you talking about? (laughs) Sorry to all the Chavez's out there named Ricky. (laughs) Oh my God. So Ricky was a 40 year old mechanic that Terry knew and he became a friend of the family. Um, So like Terry would like go over there and, and work on stuff with him. Like, you know, projects and cars and shit. You know, male bonding crap. Yeah. And then... Drink um, the beer and work on the... The pistons. The stuff. <laughs> Drink the beer, fix the pistons. <laughs> oh my God. And then, you know, sometimes the boys would come. Because, you know, it's all men being men and doing the masculine men things and whatever. Here, hold the spark plugs. Yeah. <laughs> and the ranch and the... The bobber. So... And the boys liked Ricky. They thought he was cool and they started spending a lot of time over at Ricky's house instead of at home with their uncool, strict dad. You know, it its all makes sense. This is all like, yeah. Did they call him Uncle Ricky? Oh, God. Hope not. So Ricky's trailer was also the place. I said trailer, by the way. I heard that. <laughs> I, was tra- I didn't say
0: anything because I thought if it said something, I would offend someone. No,
1: no, no. And again, we're not shitting on anybody who has a trailer. Listen to trailer. By any means. I'm just saying, like, this guy knows what he's doing by being in a trailer. And you'll understand why in a minute. This was the place for a lot of local teens to hang out. Right? So he was the cool, older guy. He was who Matthew McConaughey was in Dazed and Confused, which now we understand is a problematic character. But back in the 70s, it just was what it was.
0: Well, and when the movie came out, we didn't see him as a problematic character. No,
1: we're just like, oh, we... Everybody had that older guy that hung out with the younger teens. Girls, guys, whatever. And that's who Ricky was to this group of people in Florida. So, yeah. His trailer had sick American flags all over it and an electric fence. Because why not? Forget it. I mean, the electric fence is your red flag. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the American flags all around his trailer that were the red flags. No. Okay. I mean, maybe number two,
0: but your, <laughs> your biggest
1: red flag is the fucking electric fence. Around a trailer. Yes. And from what I understand, he didn't have an animal, so it wasn't like, you know, for a dog or. Yeah,
0: you're not trying to keep people away from the trailer.
1: Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're like, saying
1: by the trailer is like a, a, a tool? Is Yeah, okay. You're trying to keep people. In. correct so Alex and Derek would hang out with Ricky skip school they'd smoke pot together they'd play video games together and Ricky really loved hanging out with them too if only they'd known that he was a twice convicted pedophile
0: mm, shocking
1: yeah I'm sorry no 40 year old man woman whatever needs to be hanging out with children in this way never never is it appropriate never find a way if they're your own child, it's okay. Oh well, yeah. If, if you're forty and you have children, of course. I'm saying like, an outsider's like, hey, your kids can come over to my house. No, nope. unsupervised, just to chill. Yep. No, nope. older rando. No. No. Nope. Mm mm. Not okay. Ricky groomed the boys, unfortunately, and he was closest to Alex, eventually leading to his first sexual experience at twelve years old. Um, and it wasn't an experience. It was rape. Uh, Alex kept a diary of their experiences together and a type of manifesto journal in his home. And Ricky convinced the boys that they should run away with him to Pensacola, Florida. And they were like, hell yeah. Cause they're like, first of all, this guy is cool. He doesn't make us go to school, make him smoke pot all day. And then the attention and affection they're getting from this guy is making them feel cared about and wanted. They don't, they're too young to know that he's abusing them. They're yeah. too young to understand that this affection and attention is wrong. Right. And Alex thought he was gay because of this. Like, it's like, and this is where you, you just screw up so much about a child by doing this to them. Like, I can't imagine who how they are today, but... Like, that's not anything should, that should ever, ever happen to anyone. I mean, and uh, it's just so gross. And and some of the stuff that they said, like, Derek said that Alex would sit on his lap and they would kiss and stuff. And it was just, it was very weird. It was like, and I'm sure they didn't tell her dad. Oh, no, no, no. You know, because it's like, dad will think it's, like, not cool. But I'm sure Ricky made it seem like this is cool for us to do together because yeah. we're all besties or whatever right
0: and don't tell your dad
1: exactly so just you won't understand exactly gross on gross on gross so anyway the week before November 26 in 2001 Derek and Alex ran away to Ricky's house and Terry noticed and was like the hell you do that and so he called the cops and blah blah, blah and the cops eventually eventually returned them back to their house and then a week later, Monday, November 26th, Terry is resting in his recliner by the door at night. So he started sleeping in this recliner to, keep, to make sure the boys wouldn't just run away again. Right. That, to me, says, like, yes, Terry has allowed them to hang out this person's house way too much. Probably because he, he's not thinking, this guy's doing these things to my kids. I know this guy. We hang out with this guy. Right. He it doesn't make it right. He probably thinks it's a safe place for his kids to hang out
0: because he knows him. He doesn't think he's going on. Anything's going on. And he thinks it's a safe place for my kids to hang out rather than staying home alone, causing trouble or hanging out with some hoodlum kids that are doing drugs right. or whatever.
1: He's thinking, OK, well, I don't I, no trust this guy like that. Maybe he's teaching them how to. I don't know. He's a mechanic. Maybe he's teaching them how to fix cars. Exactly. So, naive, for sure. And, but you can tell he cares enough about his boys to be sleeping by the front door in a recliner each night to make sure they don't run out. You know, like, yeah. So, Derek and Alex, on November 26, 2001, bludgeoned Terry to death with an aluminum baseball bat they found in the house after ruling out a hammer. Um... The boys then set fire to their dad's bed, no, not the recliner, their dad's bed, in an attempt to burn down the house with him inside it, thinking, like, this'll set the whole house on fire. It didn't. No, that's not how it works. Yeah, but they didn't know that. They ran out of the house, and then phase two of the plan came together. Alex and Derek met up with Ricky at around midnight to go run away to Pensacola together. They stayed at Ricky's house that night, and... I'm unsure of how or why this happened, but Ricky then drove them to the police station the next morning to turn themselves in. So, and remember, Ricky is already a convicted sex pe- uh, child pedophile and has been actively committing sexual abuse with Alex. So, he knows by he- him driving two underage 12 and 13-year-old boys to the cop station to turn themselves in for murder that he's gonna get looked at for something
0: i mean does he think the cops are gonna look at him as he's the good guy who turned the killers in and oh they're
1: child killers they're they you can't believe what they say i don't know i don't know um, there's a little bit of a clue later that I think may have a little bit more into it, but I was just still very like, wow. Also, I guess he draws the line at murder. <laughs> you know, I guess that's the line for him. I don't. Wow, know. it's good to know that he has standards. <laughs> I guess the boys confessed to the cops everything in gruesome detail and claimed that their dad was abusive, which is why they did it. Of course, you know. They later recanted saying that Ricky told them to say that they murdered their father and that, hey, you can tell the cops to say that it was because of abuse. They then said that Ricky actually killed Terry and they just opened the door for him to do so. Okay, so the prosecution bit on that one because they're like, oh, hell yeah, this guy did this, right? Because, because uh, the, the pedophile has to be the murderer. Right. He's the adult in the situation. It's a lot easier to believe that a pedophile killed an adult man versus two 12 and 13 year old boys. But then the prosecution did something stupidly dumb. They then tried all three of them at once for the exact same crime. Good job, Florida. Like, I think he, this prosecutor was trying to do one of those, like, slam dunk, like...
0: I don't know... Newsworthy,
1: which, you know, look well, how badass I am.
0: I think they did it because they didn't really know who did it. So they were like, if I don't know who did it, I'll just try them all.
1: Yeah, but there's a, apparently there's other ways to do this. Again, I'm not a legal expert, expert, expert but um, you'll see later. So, but then he separated them into two trials, one for Ricky and then one for the boys. The first trial was for Ricky, the prosecution thinking that if they could convict him first... Then they could get the two boys, because they're like, okay, we already got this guy and this. Then we can get the boys based off of information from that case, essentially. In this trial, Ricky said that once the boys were at his house, and this this is what might have caused him to drive them there. He said he didn't sleep well that night because he was afraid that they might do to him what they did to their dad. Yeah, so maybe it was just pure self-preservation like fuck these kids I didn't tell you to murder your dad I just said let's run away to Pensacola together I, I again what <laughs> what in the hell it's the st- what so with this that was a bombshell because the prosecution is assuming this guy did it and then all of a sudden he's like no I was actually terrified of these two boys and everyone's like oh shit and the prosecution's like damn it <laughs> Is not what I wanted you to say at all. Um, and then the judge threw out that Ricky was the main actor in the murder. And this actually got him acquitted of the crime in 2002. But the good news is he received 30 years in 2009 after he was found guilty of accessory after the fact and first degree murder and evidence tampering. So right now, Ricky Chavez is in jail. Thank God, not around young children. Thank God. Until so, 2037, I believe.
0: Did he get charged with any, um, I don't
1: know, um, sexual assault, pedophilia crimes? They tried to, um, but because it was all circumstantial from Alex, because they found Alex's journal with all the, the notes about his relation, his abuse, excuse me, abuse and rape from uh, Ricky, that they, they couldn't, there was no evidence. So they couldn't pin it on him. I know. I know. It's... It's. I know. Just keep going. Yeah. Just... So anyway, in the boys' trial, they were found guilty of second-degree murder and got like 35 years to life, essentially. And this grew a lot of outrage in the public. Because actually, a lot of people didn't believe that they could have done this. And when I mean, you see the photos of the boys, they are actually very small children. But... From the photos I've seen of the father, like I showed you, yes, mm-hmm. he's a thin man, so he could be easily overtaken. Also, people forget how easy it is to get overtaken when you're surprised, and especially when you're in your sleep.
0: Yeah, if he was in his sleep, hit him once,
1: you can, like... Knock him out. Yeah. And that's it. And then you just keep hitting him until he's dead. That's pretty much what happens, so yeah. And, like, I can also understand the outrage, like we talked about last episode. They were... Kids, children, babies.
0: And if what happened to them with Ricky hadn't have happened, they probably wouldn't have murdered their father.
1: Right, because to them, Pensacola was the out. It's like, let's get rid of this dad situation and let's get out and be with Ricky for the rest of our lives, essentially. They're not thinking critically. Their brains are not developed. They're children. Yeah, it's... So after the trials of the boys, the judge threw out all the convictions. He was like, No. These kids can't serve 30 plus years for this. He thought that trying three people at once was a violation of due process, which, yeah, that kind of makes sense. It's like, I think the prosecutor, prosecution could have done it in a different way. I, again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how exactly. Yeah, because multiple people go on trial for the same crime all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he, I think he was, like I said, trying to be splashy and newsworthy is what it sounds like. You know, like, look mm-hmm. at what I can do. So instead, they pled them down to third-degree murder and arson, and Derek received eight years in Alex seven. They were released in 2008 and 2009 and are both now living in Texas.
0: Oh, great. Now they're going to come find us. <laughs>
1: no, they won't. It'll be fine. They now deeply regret what they did and are trying to get on with their lives. Terry's brother... Okay, so this is their dad's brother, or uncle, to them. Not believing that the boys murdered his brother, put, quote, I love you, Alex and Derek, on Terry's tombstone, saying that this is what his brother would have wanted.
0: Oh, man.
1: And, honey, I I see what you were thinking there, but I I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, it's a pretty rough thing to put on someone's tombstone.
0: Yeah, that's... I might not have maybe just loving father
1: yeah yeah something like that I don't know yeah but um there's a lot I'm with you I think that had the abuse in the foster care system and with Ricky not have happened they probably would have not committed those crimes
0: I think if the abuse with just Ricky hadn't happened they probably wouldn't have done it
1: yeah totally I, I And I'm glad that they only got seven and eight years. I think that that was actually a really fair thing to do.
0: And I do hope that they received sufficient amount of therapy to work through oh, God, what they went through.
1: The abuse, yeah, definitely. So if you know them, say, hey, we hope they're doing well. And,
0: and not just the abuse, but also work through the fact that they killed their father. Yeah. Because that's something in itself that they need to
1: process with. and you know what again murder is never the answer they did the wrong thing yeah but we there's context there
0: so. mm-hmm. yeah oh take
1: uplift oh, us i am Please. i am
0: y'all are gonna fall in love in love i got goosebumps when i read this story you are gonna you're gonna get goosebumps you're gonna love 15 year old ella morrison from Middleborough, Massachusetts, because when she was only six, six six-year-old little cute little nuggets, her bestie, Haley, was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. Ella wanted to help her bestie, so she set up a lemonade stand in her front yard to raise some money. After a few weekends, she moved her stand to a local farmer's market, and she earned an impressive $88. Ella took her money. She bought Haley lunch and a new doll.
1: That's so sweet.
0: Unfortunately, not long after, Haley succumbed to her disease. And and then Ella also lost another friend to cancer as well. This is when Ella learned that only 4% of the National Cancer Institute funds are used To help fund pediatric cancer research. Um, Can we talk about um, that for a minute and how this number is way too low and needs to be increased? Yeah. That's fucking asinine. That's insane. That is asinine. So, Ella thought this was bullshit too. (laughs) So, she created Ella's Lemonade Shop. And she continued selling lemonade and donating all of her proceeds to pediatric cancer research organizations and to local families affected by pediatric cancers. And in addition to selling lemonade at the farmer's market, she began selling lemonade kits through her school system and raised almost $2,500 alone through her lemonade kits. Wow. So an article from 2014 said that Paul Wahlberg from Wahlbergers offered to feature Ella's Lemonade on their menu board for a month.
1: Oh, yeah, the Marky Marks, uh... Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes,
0: because they're a local hamburger... Joint. Joint in Massachusetts, so they heard about her and Ella's Lemonade shop, so they offered to feature her lemonade... Hell yeah. ...at their hamburger place for a month to help raise money. Love. So as of December 2020, Ella has raised more than $60,000... But she has collect, But she also collects new PJs and logo sets to donate to hospitals that treat children with cancer. Also, Aww. Ella has made donations to the Jimmy Fund, Gamerosity, Boston Children's Hospital, Birthday Wishes, and directly to families during the holidays. She has also been a guest speaker at Middleborough High School, Elements of Success Wis- Women's Business Conference, and Relay for Life Bridgewater.
1: Damn. How old is she? Um, she's currently 15. Stop. That's incredible. How can we help? Like, does she have a website? So, the,
0: they have a Facebook page. Um, that's all they have, but I'm sure you can donate through there. Right. Or get more information on how to donate through there. Um, or you can donate to any pediatric cancer research organization. Literally
1: guys yeah, yeah um, definitely
0: st jude's is always oh, a yeah. great place to donate for cancer pediatric cancer because st jude's offers free treatment and places for the families to stay mm-hmm. while their children are receiving treatment yep at their hospital
1: absolutely and doesn't the ronald mcdonald house also do
0: ronald mcdonald house is where the families stay while their kids the are receiving okay, yeah. treatment mm-hmm. yeah
1: Wow, that's so cool. I've never heard of her. Damn, girl, get it. Like, she's out there doing, like, the hard work, you know? So, I, when I first corporations need to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) When I first
0: read her story, I literally got goosebumps because I'm like, that is so... I'm sorry, lunch and a new doll. That was the sweetest thing ever to me. That is six-year-old innocence at its finest. I mean...
1: Plus, like, her friend, all she ever wanted was just to be, like, a regular, like, girl, I'm sure. And so having that moment away from all the doctors, all the treatments, all the crap, and just be, like, kind of feeling like everyone else must have meant so much to her, you know? At lunch and have an adult. That's all. It's so sweet. I mean, like,
0: the innocence of that, I just, I I loved it so much, And then, to realize that at such a young age, A, there's other kids out there, and B, I can make a difference, so I'm going to do something. Yes. At such a young age. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's it's fucking amazing.
1: I'm not worried about the next generations. I'm really not. They're better than us in a lot of ways.
0: I don't know. I see that, um... Chucky down the hall, and I get a little bit worried sometimes.
1: Well, uh, guys, if you keep hairspraying and then blow drying your hair with wet hairspray, y'all, yeah, we do worry about that part. But,
0: <laughs> but Ella, we have Ella, we have um, Greta, Greta, Amanda, we, we have Amanda, Mariska, Mariska.
1: <laughs> Mariska is mother to us all, and and child as well. But yes, no, that's awesome.
0: So you all need to go out there and find. Ella's lemonade shop. Send her some love. Send her some money. Send
1: her some pajamas. Some Legos. Some something. Yeah, will she take? Um, I'm sure that there's a way to maybe donate things too. Maybe or does she buy them? Um, it says she collects new pajamas and Lego sets oh, to donate. Perfect. Okay, that's great. No, that's perfect. Yeah, because then the kids have something to do while. You know, and have something to wear besides hospital gowns, which are so uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, like, the pajamas is a big thing for them to not have to wear the hospital gowns. Because, trust me, in a hospital, wearing the hospital gown for multiple days is a nightmare. It's, It's a nightmare. It's not a nightmare. It's just...
1: It's not comfortable. No. It's definitely having that little piece of home by having something that's your own that you're wearing or even if you bring a pillow or something makes it feel more comfortable. So mm-hmm. that's so sweet. Yes. Oh, so. I love her too. Thank you for highlighting her. That's I so mean, cool. I mean, she.
0: it's just a little... I don't have much information on her because she's 15. There's not a lot out there, like personal information about her, which is fine, but definitely check out... Ella's Lemonade Shop, send them some love, send them some money, because honestly, like, 4%, that's all that goes to pediatric research, cancer research. Insane. It's insane. That in itself is unacceptable, so if we can throw more money at it, that 4% will be more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank y'all so much for everything y'all do for us. Just, like, all the comments and nice things that y'all say and just honestly listening like I said, to us, ramble for about an hour. <laughs> yep. We hope it helps brighten your day through all these dark times. We we desperately try not to bring that in here because we know sometimes you just kind of need a little bit of a break from it all to think and talk about something else. So we hope yes. that we did that for you all today. I hope so. Yeah. I hope Ella brightened your day. Definitely. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.